And welcome, Rugby Rant fans. We're at episode 102. We had a little break last week. Me and Rob yeah. can't stand each other at some point. It's like an old married <laughs> couple. We need a break every once in a while. Rob went to his sister's house. I went to my sister's house. And we slept in separate beds and slept with separate houses. And we came back this week. And we're back together again. Unfortunately, Ty Braga can't be with us. Uh, he's actually visiting family in South Africa and having a blast. So good. good yeah. And Ty. now that we're back together, we're kind of hoping that the bunk bed collapses. Exactly, bro. More, more room for <laughs> activities, bro. More room for activities. Um, but before, before we get started on the rest of the show, we're going to hit you with the Around the Pitch. And I'm going to start it off with the Around the Pitch, and I'm going to talk about the PR7s. The PR7s had their first event this year in San Jose, California. And coming out of that, if uh, you guys don't remember, they're having a men's champion, a women's champion that's going to go through brackets. So they had pool play in San Jose. They have a pool play in Audi Field in D.C. this weekend where I will be. Come say hi to me. And then they're having the championship brackets in Austin. They'll have a men's winner from the bracket, a women's winner for a bracket, and then they're having this third trophy, which is the franchise points trophy, which is men and women combined, the experts, the loggerheads, the headliners, and the loonies. Right now, after San Jose, the experts are winning uh, ahead in first place with 16 points, the loggerheads with 11, headliners with nine, and loonies with four. Rob, what you got? Well, I'm going to stick on the sevens theme, and I'm going with the gateway sevens was this weekend, along with... Uh, the Firehouse Sevens up here at my home pitch at Lamont. The Chicago Blaze host that. It's kind of a social event, but I want to focus more on the Gateway Sevens. It's a Midwest qualifier that was held, obviously, by its name in St. Louis. Uh, and the Chicago Lions doubled up on the men's and women's side. So big congratulations to them. Uh, the men's uh, won the final 26-7, uh, to seven, uh, defeated the St. Louis Bombers. Congrats to Coach Matt Wagner. Uh, national champ last year, friend of the show, came back and won that qualifier. He has a strong team, so we're going to look for them to do some damage in the, in the uh, national championship run. And then the women's uh, Lions doubled up. Uh, shout out to my girl uh, Murph, uh, doing a great job there. Uh, they beat Metropolis, um, and I forgot to write down the scoreline, shamefully enough. Uh, but they're coached by a friend of mine, a guy that coached with me, um, the Warthogs at the high school level when, when Preston was a senior, Colin Doyle, uh, a friend of mine. So congratulations to Coach Doyle, his first year as a head coach. Put a W up for the Midwest Sevens in, in St. Louis. Nice. Love St. Louis. Uh, was there recently in March. Great town. If you have a chance, go check out St. Louis, even if there's no rugby there. So I'm going to talk about Rugby Canada. Rugby Canada had a tough outing against Spain in Ottawa, losing 57 to 34. And to be honest, the score wasn't indicative of, of the actual match. Uh, you know, Spain was just in control the entire time. And in the last 10 minutes, you know, uh, Canada had what I would call consolation tries by Lloyd and McRogers. Um, it was a tough outing for Canada. But honestly, I think a lot of the hate coming through uh, to the coach specifically, you know, it was a young team. Um, they're trying to build caps here. There's a reason that some of these guys were picked. Rugby Canada is going into rugby, uh, into the Rugby World Cup 2023 by not being in any of the pools of play. They did not qualify. So why are you going to throw out the most experienced team you have against Spain when you can start bleeding the new guys? And as we know from the France model from the past three years, 
bleeding new guys early is going to help you. So bleed the new guys now for the next rotation in 2027 in Australia. And, you know, the last thing about it is it just stuff happens, man. It's, it's rugby. And sometimes you catch a team like Spain who honestly they're fired up because they lost their appeal. So it's twofold. You have a bunch of players playing because you want to get up their caps for the national team. And you have a team that lost their appeal that they feel they should have won to get into rugby world cup after it was taken away from them. So you got a team called a team on a high. It is what it is. Yeah. So I'm going to pick up uh, and stick with the international theme just a little bit. And I want to throw a shout out and a congratulations to the eight man on the NOLA gold, and the eight man of the U S Eagles, uh, Cam Dolan. Uh, he is now uh, the Eagle with the most test wins under his belt at 30. So congratulations to him with that win 22 to 21 against Chile. And he's coming up. He has 59 test caps. He's coming up on his 60th. Great to see. So, uh, you know, number one is Todd Clever at 76. So Cam slowly inching his way there. And um, he will surpass Luke Gross here in just four more caps. So, um, you know, hopefully this fall we'll see Cam uh, move into that into that uh, third slot. Um, no disrespect to Luke Gross, but it's good to see Cam accumulate some uh, notoriety as one of our most and best Caps Eagles. Absolutely. Shout out to Cam. We love Cam. Me and Rob uh, happen to be friends with him. It's great. Great to see him getting there and getting those numbers and, and getting the congratulations he deserves for grinding his whole career. Um, yeah. You know, talk about grinds. We're coming up with that friggin' uh, rugby rant, baby. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. I'm not competing in the rugby rant. I'm not grinding in the rugby rant. I'm giving the uh, MC duties this 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 uh, episode. But you're going to catch a really good rant talking about the USA win over Chile right after word from our sponsors. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Brewster and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. And welcome back from the Around the Pitch segment, Rugby Rant fans. I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrari. We got Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, and you're hitting you with the rant, baby. Um, and this first rant topic is going to be great. Uh, we're talking about the USA win against Chile, 22-21. to 21. And uh, the two guys we have with us, we're very excited. Uh, obviously. Excited uh, and intimidated, by the way. A little bit, a little <laughs> bit. Uh, across from me, Tony Riddell, 
obviously an avid Seattle fan. If you don't follow any of the Seattle fan sites, always on there, giving his halftime thoughts, giving his full-time thoughts. Yeah. Uh, USA Eagle number 168, all around awesome dude. Um, Tony, thank you so much for coming on it, man. We, thank we, you. Thanks for having me, man. It's a big week. Big week at USA Rugby, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. We a ton of rugby being played uh, uh, this week. And then now we actually have a new ranter. Very excited. Uh, his title, I believe, is Player Pathway and Youth Development for Young Glory. And for those of you that don't know, Young Glory is the nonprofit foundation that helps support rugby in the DMV area and around the Mid-Atlantic from Pittsburgh all the way down to Raleigh-Durham. Tim Brown, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. And, and you know, Young Glory associated with, obviously, Old Glory DC. Um, our, if, if you ever see anything on the social media, that's courtesy of our, our girl, Arminta Gunkel, who has been a ranter on the show numerous times. Shout out to Arminta. She does great work with them. Follow them on their TikTok uh, at Young Glory DC. Um, guys, so for those of you that didn't get to watch because, you know, you didn't want to pay for flow or you didn't read, you know, the, 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 the numerous articles, USA beat Chile 22-21. First leg of the World Cup qualifiers for that uh, America's two slot. It was down in Santiago, Chile at Estadio Santa Laura. Um, between the rain, between the pitch being a mess because of the rain, and then, believe it or not, a second half power outage. It was like a it was like it was like WrestleMania or something. It was it was like a WWE yeah, event. Let's make sure we understand. There was no power outage. Notice the advertising boards yes. were still had. They, right, they still right. had power. Yes, exactly. It's like yeah. What happens in South America? Two, two minutes. When, two minutes after uh, Chile yeah. took a two point lead. Yeah. Yes, it was <laughs> very interesting. Was about knocking on the doorstep, and uh, and I forgot. I believe there was communications issues where the ARs, microphones, and headsets weren't, weren't working uh, for about twenty minutes, like a long period of time, um, where they were trying to use hand signals. Um, but it, it, listen, a win is a win. Um, despite terrible conditions, I will take the big guy will take a win any way he can get it. If it's oh, a yeah. win, it's a win. Uh, as a former hockey player, my dad said it doesn't have to look pretty. The puck just has to go in the net. And that's that's what I'm taking away for it. But you guys didn't come here to listen to me ramble as much as I know you wanted to. So, Tim, you could take it away. What are your thoughts on the USA win against Chile? Well, um, it, I think you you stole my thunder there with a win is a win. But when you think about it, um, the crowd was into it. There's so many things that could have gone wrong there. Everything from when you're on the road like that, people get sick. Um, uh, conditions obviously don't favor the home team. Who knows um, everything else going on. So um, I was watching that game. And when you watch it, I, I think even more than a win is a win. It's the experience those players get. And that's something when those players get back together, you know, Tony, we were just talking in the pregame there about um, you and one of our owners tell the same stories about when you played the all blacks. Those are all kind of experience that make players. And I'm looking at the roster we had on the field right here, fairly young roster at, at nine, 12, 13 and 14. And I think, yeah, we came out there a point in advance, but, I think even more valuable is the fact that those guys are going to remember that forever that they were able to persevere there. And this is the kind of test that hopefully, you know, USA rugby can get five to six times per year. That'll be uh difference makers in a world cup cycle. So um, the, the getting the point and getting out of there, huge accomplishment, but I just, I didn't see anyone lose their cool or anyone. Um, it was just nothing that was, glaring to me where you're like kind of cringeworthy. It, it was all very positive. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, you talked about the fans and I, 
I hate to use use the term hostile fans because the fans were great, but it looked for the other team. Oh, it was <laughs> it was beautifully hostile. It yeah. was it was it was wonderfully hostile. I thought yeah. it was great. Just was, absolutely, it was, it was missing flares and um, mm-hmm. you know someone running on the field, but that was all right. You know, <laughs> but but I love the atmosphere, even playing away, and I think sometimes playing away in that atmosphere gets you just as amped up as playing home oh, yeah. in that atmosphere. Um, so you love to see it. And you were talking about, you know, the players on the field. I mean, we still are, had our Cam Dolans. We still had our Knicks of that is. We still had our Jason Dams, Eagles, Eagle number 550, Tony Ridnell, oh. who was Eagle number 168. I just, we talked about That's it. a long our, way away, man. <laughs> we, we talked about it in our pre-production and Tony went, I had to kind of think about that when it was announced. So I just wanted to twist him a little bit. But yeah, I do think we had a good mix of, of what we needed uh, to play and, and get a win in what was, you know, conditions you just have to play in as, as you play rugby. Um, you know, it's disappointing because, you know, we were up by, you know, six or, or we were up by eight points or seven points at one point, um, eight points at one point, And we thought, you know, maybe this would be it and this would help our differential. And, you know, that, that last big gas by, by Chile um, at the, at <laughs> inside the five meters and, um, you know, Angus McClellan came in, I think, just at the right time. Uh, I think he came in at like the 73rd minute. And you needed him between minutes 78 and, and 81, where Chile was just pounding it and pounding it and pounding it. And Pins Chance when Galuski would make a tackle, get up, get in the A gap, make a tackle, get up, get in the A gap. And it was the, the last five minutes were very exciting, especially if you're a big fat forward like me. But I really <laughs> want to hear what uh, Eagle number 168 has to say. Yeah, well, thank you, uh, and thanks for having me on, on on what's a big week for the Eagles. And you know, I, I'm a you, as you guys know, I'm a I'm a pretty big Eagle fan. Um, so you know, the old school in me kind of looks at looks at South American rugby sometimes, you know, Chile, Uruguay, and just like, gosh, they shouldn't even be on the same field as us. But that's just not the case anymore. You know, that is not the case, and they have done it. Those two countries in particular have done a super job. Just. Were the Chileans in charge of Tony's feed? Apparently. I mean, <laughs> this is like, I mean. Oh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> hold, hold, hold on. Hold on. All right. Um, so just to let you know, in the last couple of years, they've really come on. So a team like Uruguay, they, all of their players have to stay around Montevideo. So they practice yeah. like 50 weeks a year. Uh, and I believe the same thing is happening in Chile. So, so as soon as Canada got knocked out last year, um, you know, I think, I think the Chilean rugby union and the, and the, and the people involved in, in rugby down there said, Hey, we got it. You know, we got a full tilt boogie blitz his first game against the U S it's down in Chile. We could, you know, maybe get a few points up on them, uh, you know, try and hold our own in Glendale and go to their first world cup. And I thought, you know, having, I watched the Scotland game two weeks ago, Scotland, a versus Chile. And to be perfectly honest, I, I wasn't impressed with Chile at all, at all. I, I thought they were really pedestrian. It wasn't the greatest Scottish team. They just didn't look, you know, like they were really hungry. They certainly didn't look like a, a team that was going to the World Cup. Uh, and it was a completely different atmosphere down there than it was last week. I mean, that that was a cauldron of fire we were in last week. I mean, the fans were so loud. I mean, if you heard, you know, you you couldn't hear Matt McCarthy, but you could hear the crowd, right? Um, you know, and I was just so impressed with the whole scene down there, the atmosphere, the players. I mean, they 
they they they they went to war for 80 minutes i mean those guys worked and worked and worked you could see the disappointment at the end but after the you know but they worked so hard for that try so so you know well deserved one point differential but i think there's literally nothing that we can take away from that game in terms of a predictor for for this saturday because the the conditions were just so bad i I was talking to someone i thought that a game might get canceled with puddles that big because i remember in the era when i was playing there were a couple of drownings and and i i thought they stopped i thought they stopped play i thought they stopped play at that level but yeah, those were four or five inch deep puddles. Some of them, I mean, you could you could get in trouble there. Well, the, but anyway, the, but, only, but, the only predictor would be backbone, like, like absolutely no, no, for sure. I mean, and listen, you know, on, on a on a on a dry on a dry day, seventy degree day. I mean, I'm I'm thinking we are significantly better by many many points than Chile, and hopefully we'll see that this Saturday. Um, but the weather was a huge equalizer. I'm. The, the the amount of, of of you know high balls from the tens was, I mean that was kind of the play of the day, right? I think Petrie mm-hmm. said it in minute seventy nine that the Chilean try was the first offload of the entire game, and I think that's yes. right. Martin Yosefo got replaced, and I was like, oh my gosh, Martin was playing, you know, because it it was <laughs> yeah. also, yeah. you know, and that's not his fault. He looks for work more than anyone I know. Absolutely, and, and it was just such a strange game in that way, and it was just a greased watermelon. I thought. I thought Taufate, you know, ran with the ball very well, you know, his nice low center of gravity, but, you know, a number of knock-ons just spilling the ball like a greased watermelon. I don't think, I don't think we have anything to, 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 to judge that game off of other than the fact that that was a hell of a, hell of a game to win. Really was. Really Absolutely. Was. And I think that, like I said, even though they scored at the end, you know, it took them a while. Um, there was only advantage, I think twice. In, a, in that six or seven minute period, which sometimes we struggle with down down in the side that five meters where 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 other teams get the advantage on us because we make mistakes. And in those conditions, just to have only two ad- advantage penalties called, I thought that was good considering the conditions and considering what we usually have. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you know, six two splits on both teams for the subs. You know why this was going to be a horsepower game up oh, front. Yeah. They, they knew yeah they were going to slow the ball down they were going to grind it down and in those muddy conditions i think that's the only thing you can do you know um even though uh, uh christian dyer um you know scored a try in the first 10 minutes you know how he's high stepping through that mud i don't see how his skill set's going to translate he he looks he looks like he could be on the verge of a nice career uh oh christian. yeah he's he's playing well. Sure. playing well definitely and, and he almost and, got a second at, at, yes, at right. not being a, a slippery oh. ball I thought yeah. I thought I thought he did happen. Yeah, it was he was close, but yeah, I think you hit everything on the head, and I think a gritty win is what we needed from this team. Um, and I I believe you're right. You know what? Uh, uh, Scotland just beat the Argentinians what twenty nine to six in with yep. their regular you know with their senior team versus that Scotland A team that that you know was played an unimpressive Chilean side. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. you know, I think you hit every nail on the head. Uh, Rob, what do you got, buddy? Well, I, I like that Tim mentioned the perseverance part. I, I think the U.S. Eagles learned a lesson from going to St. John's and losing to St. John and losing to Canada uh, in the fall. Right? They went there, they got under the gun, they put themselves under pressure with some penalties, and and they buckled. And I think it really showed in the scoreline at the end of the day. Uh, and I think the boys learned a lesson from that and came back and said, "Look, we got to sustain that pressure, and we got to keep our chins up, and we got to keep grinding." And what you know, the the conditions. Um, didn't help, but certainly 
given the conditions, the boys just, you know, put their nose to the grindstone and got things done. And I think two things that stood out. I think there's one thing that is a predictor, Tony. I disagree with Tony on this note. The dominant scrum. I think that dominant scrum is going to come back to Glendale. Uh, it, we we Fair shoved enough. them, yep. and I think we there were a couple times we we had opportunities to win the ball against the head, and damn near did had an opportunity that were called. Um, and I also think yeah. the lineout uh, we really turned it around the, from the French Barbarians game, and our lineout was much improved. Um, right. It obviously showed in the two mauling tries, the balls that we we took yeah. in. So I think those were two big takeaways. Um, one of the other things that I think was interesting is that. Uh, you know, in spite of the conditions, I think we did a fair job under the high ball compared to Chile. I think Absolutely. there were a number of times yeah. the ball yeah. was put up high and they knocked it on and put pressure on themselves. Uh, and, and we didn't capitalize perhaps because the ball was a little bit greasy, but it was good to see the guys have confidence under the high ball. So kudos to, to, to our back three um, to do that and to, to our number 10. I, AJ's obviously, uh, you know, just uh, an un, one of our best players. What a yeah, player. What a player. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm sure glad that we played away in the first leg under that hostile environment. I don't Absolutely. care what happens. It's tough to go down there. You talk to guys like Tony. I was sitting next to Dave Fee watching the game, and Dave would tell you stories about going down there and playing in South yeah. America, and he said it's brutal. He doesn't care you know, how good the crowd is just in terms of ambiance. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult place to play and to come yeah. away with machine a one Machine gun guards and yep. moats around the field. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, Fee, Fee said he got hit by a calculator being thrown from the, from the <laughs> crowd one time. So, you know, um, so to come away with that one point for me, um, you got to love it. Uh, it's just too bad we couldn't have come mm-hmm. away with eight. Uh, unfortunately, gave up a couple penalties. I, I'm not even I'm not so much laughing at him being hit by a calculator as the picture of David Fee telling that story. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Like, he's he's I, I, that's the I, first I mean, and last I, time he's ever picked up a calculator, I think. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a very, he's actually a very good coach yeah. he's down here yeah. doing a clinic he's yeah. high energy but right. just on the phone I, I just picture him like you know i got hit by <laughs> some random <laughs> object like oh yeah uh, yeah he no. said he said he got hit by a calculator he picked it up and looked at willfully and said what am i supposed to do with this he goes and I just throw it on the side. He goes, nah, I'm going to throw it back. So he threw it back in the crowd and about four more came back as well. Oh my God. <laughs> that's, that sounds like fee, man. I'm just going to chuck it back. Yep. yep. Oh, but speaking of chucking, we were chucking the ball a lot on those kicks. And it's, it's funny because that first try McGinty slotted a conversion that I'm like, he shouldn't have got like it, between the conditions yeah. between yeah. the angle. And then his next kick at post was like directly up the middle, and he missed it. Um, and then he hit the one, the the, yeah. the one that was the game winner. Yes. That was right. a tough kick as well. It's Absolutely. funny, and I think that's just you know how how it's you know when you get to that weather, it's just going to be that tricky, and you know it doesn't matter how how good of an angle or how close you are if right. you don't get your foot down and set you know comfortably, you're gonna you're gonna shake it. I just found it I just found it funny, you know, and <clears throat> something we we looked. We looked at uh, me and my buddies when we, we were kind of uh, debriefing the, the match. Um, but I, I do think, uh, uh, Rob, I, I agree with Rob uh, in the fact that dominant scrum is going to be a thing that's going to happen in Glendale for us. Um, I think you're going to see it come together with better footing, um, home field advantage, the crowd. Hopefully there's not this ridiculous you know, amount of weather, I don't think. As far as I look, there's not going to be. I just have to go back to Tony's comment about there were drownings 
when Tony played. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it's something you you think you'd say when you're talking about rugs. Rugs were a little different. Rugs were a little different then, but yeah, right. Like, and you you think you'd be talking about it like in the 1800s and not the (laughs) 1980s about drownings. But he does bring up a good point because, and and as Rob knows, um, this year's match, uh, Rooney Nola, uh, Nola in Nola had like seven days of, of downpour where they had to pour yeah. sand at certain spots in the field because it was that poor. And, you know, you're not going to not play the match, you know, because, you know, it was a beautiful day that day, that day, but sometimes you just have to rock with it. And I think that's where they, they are in the international window right now. I don't think there could be any delay on this, especially since you got to figure it out. And then whoever loses go to repertage in November. You know, I don't, I don't think you want to halt that momentum and, you know, Although I do think if if I, I wonder if they move the game from two weeks from now, that extra week of practice for us can't hurt. Um, so, guys, what do you think about the short time span that these guys have been in camp? I'm going to start with you, Tim. Did you say Tim? Yes. Yeah. Um, these guys are all pros, so this mm-hmm. is this is different. You know, when you look at this roster, um, when I played Super League, I, I was basically on the same practice schedule as some of the Eagles, right? And that's no knock on them. That was just what they had available. But I I know that, you know, MLR is doing the best they can with the time allotted. So when I look at this roster, obviously we don't have to worry about the guy at Toulouse. He's getting plenty of training. He knows about a short turnaround. Mm -hmm. Um, Tefete's done it all. He's been there. Um, you know, everyone on our roster, I'm just looking, there's there's no one that hasn't been in a stressful environment before. Or, um, you know, I, I think with the short turnaround, these guys are at least going to be on home turf where now Chile has to get on the road. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I just don't, I don't have any worries about this this group in far, as far as turnaround and level of professionalism. Um, you know, you look at our, our skill positions, um, De Haas has been playing in stressful environments in South Africa where they play far more than we do here. And uh, McGinty's from way back is coming from an Irish schoolboy competition where they play more games than you can count with people screaming at them every week. So mm-hmm. I, I think we're uh, in that aspect. I think we're in really good shape. And I think something to be said of some of the pairings in this 23, you know, Paul Mullen backing up by Angus McClellan, you know, playing together. Um, you know, Chance Wengluski, Nick Savetta playing together with Ben Bonasso, you know, those three guys getting in. Um, Hanko being on the team previously with guys like Nick Savetta and Ben Bonasso in New York and then being on the them. You know, sometimes you just pick up those types of, of players and their habits. So I think we're starting to see the team gel a little bit, even in, in tough conditions because we have them playing together, some of these guys in the MLR. Um, and, uh, you know, and you and you have you, you had a you had veterans you had some young players and I think everybody played great and I think you saw one of the interesting thing is Ruben de Haas kicked in some positions that you might not kick in but I think Tony hit it on the head with playing the high ball and letting Chile make the mistakes and forcing them to to play that high ball and normally out you if 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 the conditions were different you'd be like what the hell is he doing but I think it worked I think it, you're putting pressure on them to say. It's your time to have the ball in hand. One, can you get it in these rough conditions? And two, when you get it, can you really run a successful uh, uh, counterattack on the kick 
in these conditions against a defense who we know is, is great at tackle. Um, Tony, I think my, my next question for you is, do you mm-hmm. think we see the same 23 going into next week? Oh gosh. You know, I'm, I'm not close enough to the players to see, to know that. Um, well, no, just, just, we'll I, just, I would, sure I would, if, if you're going into it at home and let's say yeah. we know the weather's going to be nice, do you still stick with that six, two split? Whew. Um, I like six, two because, because, you know, we've got a couple of like Nate, Nate, Nate fills in a nice, you know, nine, 11, 14. Um, uh, you know, we've got, we've got some, 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 uh, uh, variability there. Versatility there, excuse me. Uh, but you know, if you watch the New Zealand game last weekend, I mean, they, they, that, that was just a cluster in terms of yes. players on the field, off the field. And they damn near had to play with one of the forwards in the backs. And, um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm not sure on that. I, 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 I like our team right now. I like, I, they, they look like a team that, you know, could come, could really come together and play some good rugby, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes playing that good rugby on an Eagle team is about the gelling of the team, you know, the, 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 the commitment to play for each other. Right. You know, cause the first week you're together, you, you know, eh, but you know, you go through two or three hard weeks, you start to learn to love each other, want to play for each other, die for each other. And, uh, and, and I think this group of players can get to that point. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I do. I, me, I love a six two split because I just like seeing, Forwards with the you like forwards. Yeah, just, <laughs> listen, if we could if we could play one through five and it was all guys above 250, Scott Ferrar would be a happy man. It would be terrible rugby, but I'd be happy. Uh, <laughs> and then, Rob, real quick, uh, I'm going to give you the last question. What do you think Chile has to do to beat us this upcoming week? Oh, well, I, I think they've got to lean on 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 a skill set that that suits them. And that's, um, you know, kicking for territory. You know, putting the right the ball in the right areas of the field effectively to put uh, the U.S. under pressure and to minimize um, any kind of attack or counterattack that we might have. Uh, we saw what what their number ten can do, and it was uh, Rodrigo was his name um, yeah. when, when he got in some open spaces and that was and, a hell of a like, try. That was yeah, a hell of a try, individual effort, uh, and and our guys, quite frankly, got a little lazy on the on the defense. Um, so you know picking an opportunity, picking their, their chances, um, finding those opportunities, kicking for touch in the right places, putting the ball into, into, you know, those gaps, although that's tough to do against a 15, um, like Brocky. Um, but you know, I want to real quick, just touch upon your original question that you threw at Tim, quite frankly, and I'm not blaming the MLR, but I, I, I would like to say it's really too bad that we couldn't get our, uh, more, these guys, more time to come into camp prior to the international window. Right, especially in a qualifier year like this year, uh, and and I just throw out some evidence. You know, Tony, going back, um, you know, eighties, nineties. You know, how did we stack up against Chile, against Uruguay? Um, you know, ten oh, years I, ago, I, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago. I, I, that, like I said, I mean, I, you know, when when we first got into that that South American competition a few years ago, um, I forget what they called it. The a ARC, ARC, yeah. you know, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, two games against Chile. You know, that, that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of a, uh, uh, I'd, I'd rather play English. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, well, we, 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 overall uh, we're six and one against Chile, right? No, no. Uh, with a plus no, but, but, 213 
point differential, right. and yet we only come away with a single point victory. With against Uruguay, we're 15, 4, and 1 with a plus 251 point differential. Mm-hmm. But look what's happened more recently. Why is that? Because those guys are playing together. I think as Tony mentioned, oh, those guys are playing yeah. together on a consistent mm-hmm. basis. Imagine what we could do if we had more time in camp, more time. Ur- to Uruguay is a really good study. Uruguay is a really good study. You know, they, they don't have the physical specimens. They don't have the numbers, but they're, they play some damn good tight rugby together, you know, and it's because they mandate 50 miles around Montevideo and they try and get together. I, I heard it was like 50 weeks a year, at least one day. Yeah, 50 um, year, 50 weeks all the year. Chilean guys, I believe come from three club. I shouldn't say all. Yep. Most of them come from three clubs yep. that also feed off the same three schools, I believe. I And I, it was funny, um, there was a, a kid that wanted to go to university up here and he was shopping around and someone put him in touch with me. And sure enough, he was from the same, I had just read the article about <laughs> where all the Chilean players and I looked at their background and he came from there too. And he was very smart kid, obviously very skilled, but I think they've got, I mean, like it, if you look at the people on our team, they're just a lot of them are LA based and a lot of them are New York based. What I mean, at, at this point, you know, one thing about MLR has made me very aware of is how how tight everyone's schedule is, right. and um, how you know we're ju- we're just not there yet where we can house people in one spot. I do think USA Rugby is getting things right though. The the, mo- the most successful North American team ever has been the ninety one Canadian. World Cup team. Yep. And and building up to that World Cup, the Canadian Rugby Union mandated that everyone played in the Vancouver Rugby League, Vancouver Rugby Union. And um at Old Peter Sound Beach, we were we would play up there. So that was it was pretty cool. I mean some great teams. Uh but you see what it did for their rugby. And you ask any one of those players, Andy, uh Eddie Evans, Glenn Glenn Ennis, um uh who's Gareth. The, Gareth, 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 Gareth Reese, Reese, you know, all those guys, they will tell you that was the key to their success was playing together and, uh, and being able to come together and also playing against one another and earning that respect of each other too, which is very, I think, very, very important on a, on a national team. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, if you look at the SLAR teams, I'm sure uh, Penarol is probably the, the going to be essentially your, your Uruguay national team. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe some of the guys yep. go in, into some of the other teams, but let's be honest, most of those SLAR teams are essentially uh, A-side national teams. So they are, besides playing with the, and practicing with the national team for that long, they're also doing it on the SLAR side as well. And it's just something yep. you can compete with. And real quick, uh, talking about Canadians, Mo Chowdhury, uh, one of the uh, ARs for that match, who couldn't hear anything for about 20 minutes, but I always like to <laughs> shout out uh, North American uh, officials, you know, uh, doing uh, uh test matches so um guys that was a, that was a great rant uh we gotta have this group on again and we have to pick a, a more in-depth topic um i i, I while sometimes I, I like this is a broad topic that i'd like to talk about because you, you guys are going to have three different points of view we have to pinpoint something me and rob next time you guys are on and have all you three in because you guys are three great minds and you'll have three separate opinions and they'll all be valid um i loved it but uh fans this was uh, this was a great rant. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed moderating it. That's for sure. Um, it's it's one of those things where I get the the pleasure to moderate some of these from time to time because our buddy Ty can't be with us. But hey, I love it. And uh, before we go into our run passer kick with Dino Waldron, Tony, who is Eagle number five hundred two, we're just going to continue on this 
Oh my god! Eagle kick. Um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna catch a word from our sponsors to help keep the lights on. This bowl represents the game we love. A game fueled by passion. But there are those who wear no number, nor are they in the locker room or the field of play. But they are there for every high and every low. Yes, they are watching every kick, tackle, and try score. Yes, they are there for when you need them most because they are the Major League Rugby fans. And the time has come for you to stand with your team. Join us at shopmlr.com today. And welcome back, Rugby Rant fans. One of my favorite parts of every episode is the run, pass, or kick. Now, before I tell you who we have, even though you can kind of see his name, um, we're just going to go over his CV because it's one of those times where I'm excited to have a guy on, even though it might be, you know, one of Rob's guys. I'm still excited. But uh, Dale, well, they Dale call the big guy the big guy. He likes big guys. <laughs> I do. I, I do like. I do like my front row guys. I'm not going to lie, but you know, it depends on the team sometimes. But Dale LaSalle High School. Uh, St. Mary's College, which us guys on the East Coast that I own to call the other Gales, the, the, the second rate Gales, is what we're going to call them. That's okay, <laughs> Dino. It's, it's the real Gales. We get it. We understand. <laughs> 2014 Collegiate All American, uh, played for Black Rock College, RFC, London Sky, San Diego Legion. Of the NOLA Gold, USA Eagle number 502, getting his first cap against Romania with 21 caps. And this year's NOLA Gold nominee for the Marcus Callaway Community Impact Award, Dino Waldron. Welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Uh, thank you for that introduction. Uh, definitely a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Rob got a little special thing there. Uh, uh, to Happy birthday. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. 31 years old today, 31 years young. Uh, definitely uh, a special day for me. I got to spend my uh, first birthday with my daughter. Uh, nice. You know, it's a fortunate, very fortunate to have them. I haven't been able to have a birthday with my family in the last two years due to rugby and traveling. And, you know, we were living between countries. So, uh this is definitely a really cool day today to be able to spend that with them. So again, but excited to be here with you guys. Excited to chop it up with some rugby, and uh, yeah, looking forward to the show. Hey, appreciate it. You know, yeah, we know family time is important, especially with you guys and and your schedule. So thank you for being on. Hey, Rob, before we go forward with the questions, you want to tell the fans how the RPK works? Absolutely. I I thought you'd never ask. Um, so run pass or kick interview works like this for those who are uninitiated. We're going to fire some questions at Dino, and we're going to prompt each question with run, pass, or kick. And while we know on the pitch, props love to run, and sometimes at practice they like to take a couple kicks at goal because that's just what props do. Uh, quite frankly, in this interview, Dino has some options in front of him. So he can run with a question. He's going to let us know when he wants to do that. He'll just say, I'm going to run with it. And that means he's going to answer it straight up. And he's a pretty straightforward guy. So my guess, just like he runs on the pitch, he's probably going to run with a lot of these. But he also has a couple other outs, one of them being a pass. And he can avoid getting in trouble with the Nola Gold Brass. I definitely don't want to see him get in trouble with the Nola Gold Brass. You know, Fitzy on five Mountain Dews and, and uh, you know, fit to be tied is probably not a good scene. Um, nevertheless, uh, he can go ahead and pass on a question, which is to say that he's just going to go ahead and let it go. And we're going to move on to the next one. Or Dino could have a lot of fun with us. And again, we know that uh, 
you know, props occasionally like their shenanigans. And uh, he might have a kick or two, put us on the back foot. And what that means is when he kicks it to us is that we're going to answer in a way that we think that Dino would answer. And it puts us on a defensive, makes us work a little bit. And he can grade us out, say we were shite, say we were spot on, or he can even follow up some context, but it's entirely up to him. Just like any good rugby player, he has got to have his options. So Dino Waldron, the man of the day, his birthday, Mr. 31, are you ready for the run, pass, or kick challenge? I'm ready. All right. We're going to start us off. And uh, I know it's a little scary for some of our guests, Scott <laughs> and uh, Ty, always get a rise out of this one. But uh, not to creep, uh, but I do. Um, but your wife uh, is described as a manager, global influencer partnerships at EA Sports. At least that's what's our, on her Facebook profile. It looks like that Dino has to check on that one. I'm, can I can I acknowledge that, honey? Uh, at any rate, here's the question. Have you ever said to her, run past her kick, have you ever said to her, babe, do you think that you could use your influencer skills to work and have EA Sports create a better rugby video game? <laughs> that is probably the, uh, I'll run with this one. Uh, this is probably like, I'd give or take maybe the thousandth person to ask. <laughs> um, you know, I, I thought ask, it was an original. I, I get asked that a lot. Like when I was, uh, and first credit goes to, uh, I have to, but my I throw him a shout for this one be Blaine Skull. I remember when he first asked me, I, you know, <laughs> my wife was working at EA or my girlfriend at the time was working at EA. He's like, he goes, dude, he goes, we got to get her on the rugby. I was like, man, like she worked in, like you see a little thing right there. She worked in FIFA oh. and now she's working on Madden. And uh, nice. I'm always throwing that. I'm like, Hey, like, you know, rugby. And she's like, above my pay grade, hon. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I just, you know, I remind her, I remind her every once in a while, I'm like, Hey, you know, is there going to be a rugby game? She's like, yeah, she goes above my pay grade. I said, okay. <laughs> Listen, I got I one tip you for your wife. Tell us. Hold on, I got one tip. Aaron Rodgers is a 99 every week, no matter what. Just tell her the Madden, <laughs> Madden's rating, guys. Aaron Rodgers should be a 99 every week. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I thought maybe Blaine Scully was just going to ask you, hey, could I look any any prettier than, than I do now <laughs> on the current games? <laughs> nah. uh. Uh, I love that. That's awesome, though. Listen, it, it, we're getting there. I'm, I'm so, I'm yeah. so excited with the video games that we do have, um, and we're starting to get there. And I'm one of those uh, gamers who created every team in the MLR in 2021. Every single player. Wow. Yeah, I got, I got no life. I got no life. That's so right. let's, yeah, let's. Hey, when let's that one on. comes out, I, we pretty much can guess that Dino Waldron will be a 99 every week. I, I pretty much every prop is a 99. Even the backups <laughs> are 99. I don't play around. Kicking skills, 99. But oh. let's let's get to Dino's like rugby journey, and uh, we're going to talk. Yeah. You know, in MLR uh, anyway. You started in San Diego, so run, pass, or kick. As a California native, what made you decide to move down to the Bayou of Southern Louisiana? So, um, I guess to start that kind of starts when I'm in London. So, uh, 2019. Uh, I get a phone call, San Diego, my contract's up in London. I'm thinking, well, you know, I want to continue to play more rugby. It's a World Cup year. 
the more rugby I could play under my belt, the better. Uh, Rob uh, was the uh, the coach there, Rob Hoadley, and I had a long track record with Rob. He coached me in all Americans in twenty four, I think twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen, and always kept a good relationship with him. Uh, worked under Gavin Hickey as well, who's also another uh, you know I consider him a mentor of mine. And uh, yeah, Rob was like, hey, you know, you want to, you know, I, I see you're available. You want to come to San Diego? I'm like, all right, like, awesome. I'll come to San Diego. Cool. Three days later, I got a phone call from Ryan Fitzgerald. And immediately we just hit it off on the phone. I was like, this guy is legendary. But contract issues came up. I signed uh, a paper that wouldn't allow me to go to NOLA. So I had to finish out that contract to San Diego, which again, but again, I knew like talking to Fitzgerald and whatnot and, understanding what he had going on down there. It seemed like a place I really wanted to be. Plus you had likes of Holden Younger was down there, former teammate, uh, Kevin O'Connor, former teammate, Tim Moppin, former teammate, Cam Dolan, who I played with on the Eagles as well. Um, Kyle Bailey, who I played at Len Scottish was down there already. Uh, so there was, you know, there was a couple of guys that I already knew uh, that were already down there that I got on really well and we clicked really well and we played together. So uh, that was really how I wanted to get down there. And I knew like just talking to Holden Younger, and some of those guys, like the atmosphere in NOLA and like what they like what they had and like the environment and, you know, just again, Fitzy did a really good job on selling it to me. But when once I got, once I got down there, I was like, you know what, this is, this is the place for me. Right. I mean, California native for sure. But I mean, I do love like living in the South. Like I, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy the lifestyle down here and whatnot. So uh, it was very appealing to me and, you know, looking to start my life and family and whatnot, it just seemed like more of a better fit as well. Listen, we know we know Fitzy very well. Me and Rob uh, are glad to call him friends. And you know, one of the things he has going for him, besides his obvious rugby knowledge, is his experience uh, working in the NFL and and doing the same type of thing. And you know, bringing that style over, uh, I think it, it catches a lot of the American guys um, uh, their ear a little more. It's it's a little more familiar to them than maybe some of the other guys uh, giving a spiel because you know he's done it at that top level. And, and we know uh, playing, you know, uh, rugby, playing football, playing hockey, whatever other sports, you know, every, every USA athletes, a multi-sport athlete, let's be honest. It just, it seems, sounds familiar to us. So I think that helps draw guys over to whatever Fitz is doing, uh, you know, and he happens to be at normal the past, you know, couple few years. And I think if he moves on, ever moves on to somewhere else, you're going to see a whole bunch of guys move on with him. That's the kind of guy he is. And the fact the fact of the matter is I don't think he has to sell it as much as he thinks he does. Cause you're, you're not the first, uh, uh um, Nola gold player to go down there and say they, they practice what they preach. So I think right. it's, uh, while he does sell it as much as he wants to, I think once you get there, you understand that the culture is, is driven by, you know, family, the players, you know, have not, you know, being good on the field, being good person off the field and all those things right. that they stand for. For sure. hundred percent agree. Yeah, and that no bullshit Marine Corps attitude is appreciated by a lot of players, right? Uh, I mean, that is a huge driving factor in, in him as a man. I think it's something that he's definitely identified himself and embodied in his life. And, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, my hat's off to all those who served, and I'm very grateful for those for those gentlemen, those women and men that do that. And, uh, you know, he's embodied that, and rightfully so. And it's definitely a part of something that we have in our team and in our atmosphere and in our culture that you know he brings to that table and it's uh as americans like you said before scott it's it's definitely something that we notice and something that we can you know that we've grown up with you know and uh he uh you know some of the guys aren't from here are a little skeptical of it or they don't really see 
you know, or understand, you know, how it kind of works. And, you know, but once at the end of it, they kind of understand, they go, wow, like, I get it. I'm like, yeah, you, you can understand why now. And there's, and there's reasons to why that he is the way he is and the way our organization and stuff, the way it has to be for him and whatnot. Absolutely. And, you know, again, you talk about culture and the, and the boys and just how there's a family atmosphere. And so without getting too serious just yet, I'm going to throw the next question at you. I heard uh, a rumor, and I think it's more than just a rumor, that you are an avid deep water fisherman and you, you like to you like to thread a line every once in a while, right? So run, pass, or kick. Here we go. If you were to plan a boys fishing weekend, who are the dudes that are you're taking with you? How many like, do I it's get? On somebody else's dime. Somebody's going, hey, NOLA boys are great guys. Bring some dudes Listen. with you. You can go fish. We're going to say four. You take four guys. Who you take taking? four guys fishing with me? Yeah. Yep. Four guys fishing with me. All right. So I'm probably going with Cam Dolan. Ah, here we go. Doc Irie. James, Doc Irie. Doc Dolan. Um, I'd probably go with uh, – probably go with Eric Howard. And uh, my last one. Oh, that's a tough one, man. That fourth, that fourth seat. That's a tough one. That's a that's a tough one. That fourth seat. Oh, oh. Ring of death. Four guys enter. One guy leaves. You throw <laughs> Andrew Guerra in there. You throw. That's a good one. You throw uh, Brian Nalton there. Mm-hmm. You throw Kevin Sullivan in there. And you throw William Waggles back in there. Oof. Now, here's Oof. the interesting thing. Not a back to be had in that core. <laughs> of course not. Listen, we said go fishing, not yeah. get a suntan, Rob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you left You left boys that like to be on the beach like Beeksy uh, oh, out of the equation. Dolan, Dolan's our back, I mean, a little bit. So we got him. Yeah. He counts for, I got I got You know, I, I have a quote, I think. <laughs> dude, go, dude. Well, we got Mr. Handsome. I mean, he's handsome, so we'll let him come on. <laughs> You know, he's good looking enough where he offsets us all. <laughs> That's awesome. I well, you got to be a wingman yeah. for somebody, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. I'm a terrible fisherman. I, I can barely catch a cold, much less a fish. Oh, but that's, that's a sanctuary for me. Growing up, doing it my whole life. I grew up on the bay in San Francisco, mm-hmm. California, about an hour and a half outside. Salmon fishing, halibut fishing, striped bass fishing, sturgeon fishing. Uh, I mean, just... You name, we'd go out when the albacore would come in during the El Nino would run in off the fair lawns. We'd be, you know, talking 30 miles out from the Golden Gate, open nice. water, right? Nothing but blue whales jumping and dolphins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just what we did. And my dad and his dad, and, you know, it was definitely something a part of me. And I hope I can share that and pass it on with me and my kids someday. But fishing to us is, you know, it's, it's really a, it's a real family home thing, right? Every time I go home to California, first thing my dad asked, we're going fishing. I said, yes, we're going fishing. Said you get the get get the boat ready. We're going. Uh, and it's funny because I have those experience on the East Coast, except for the actually catching a fish part. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. I go up to the Cape a lot. My parents have a house up there. We go fishing. I had an, I had an uncle out in the Hamptons who retired, and all he did was be on his boat 24 uh, seven, which my aunt didn't like. But we were always fishing. My brother would catch. My dad would catch. Everybody would catch except for me. I'm telling you, I can't catch a cold. But um. Yeah, it's it's one of those things you have to have a life outside of rugby, and it's nice to hear every time we ask these types of questions, 
you know, it's, you know, a lot of guys are into golf too. It's, it's, there's like, we've had just as many guys fishing and just as many guys golfing. Yeah. It's, it's both things I suck at. So maybe you guys should pick different hobbies so we can hang out. I go golfing twice a week. (laughs) Oh, here we go. My golf. I, I'd, I'd be interested. Dolan texted me today. He said, "Happy birthday, Poppy." I said, "Thank you." He goes golf next week. I said, "Absolutely, two rounds." We're set. Said, I was going to say, "Be chilly." Your foursome probably won't look much different than your fishing. Oh, no, the, foursome, the foursome's very different. The only golfers oh, really? in that group, the only golfers in that group, are probably me and Dolan, and uh, Wags would probably golf a little bit as well. Uh, William Waggles back, but definitely, I mean, probably uh, Julie. Uh, not uh, Juan Capilio, the golfer. He'd be golfing me, him, and Dolan would golf quite a bit. Uh, even Carl Meyer golfs a little bit. JP Duplessis, uh, Dev Ferris when he was down there with the or was with us. Kyle Rogers, um, you know. So we got a pretty good, a pretty good group, a uh, good group of guys that golf quite a bit. Harley Wheeler likes to get out there and get on okay. the links a bit. So yeah, but Dolan's probably my golf buddy when it comes to that stuff. We and Juan Capilio, we golf. I probably golf with them the most, and Wags. Yeah, nice. I, 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 not a not a guy in there I could hang out with doing those two activities. But anyway, let's move on to the, to the next question. Um, something we do know about uh, rugby at the end of the twenty twenty two season, the MLR announced its nominees for the Marcus Callaway Community Impact Award, and you were nominated by the NOLA Gold. Um, run, pass, or kick? Can you share with the fans a bit about the work you do in the New Orleans community and how much it meant it meant to you being nominated for this award? Yeah, so uh, I guess first off, uh, to be to be nominated for that was it was it was an honor. It was out of the blue. I didn't even know it. Fitzy texted me one day. He's like, uh, I meant, he goes, "Hey, brother, forgot to tell you, uh, your name's up for the award." I was like, "What?" I was like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Oh," and I I was watching the game. I saw. I was like, "Oh," I was like, I was like "Oh, <laughs> right on." Like I didn't even know. Um, some of the stuff that like I would do uh, in the Nola Gold community, and again, Fitzy is a huge driver of this. And this is again when you talk when you talk about the culture and. The identity of Fitzy and whatnot, what he what he's about. Uh, we would do bowling like with special needs on Wednesdays, right? So I'd go there. I went, you know, every Wednesday while I was living in uh, New Orleans before I moved up here. I live north now of New Orleans, about forty minutes. Uh, I'd go bowling every Wednesday with the special needs group, and you know, we'd have a blast. Me and Fitzy would be there as well. We'd go bowling. Uh, I do rugby clinics. I drove to Baton Rouge a couple times and did some rugby clinics with the youth. Uh, one of the things for the CRCs. Uh, Fitzy on a limb, like reached out to me like four days for the, uh, for the event was kicking off. And they're like, Hey, the guy was supposed to build the goalpost. Couldn't do it. Oh, man. And he eight sets. I'm like, huh? He's like, can you do it? I'm like, well, again, one of my, one of my fishing buddies, Doc Irie. Right. I was like, Hey bro, I need a hand. He's like, no problem. Let's go get it. We got all the material, built all the goalposts, put them in the ground, had the help of Andrew Guerra was out there helping me as well on that day. Like this is the day before the tournament's about to kick off. We're out there after training, nailing down rebar in the ground to put the post on top of it, you know, some, and just making sure that it won't tip over. Right. <laughs> and you're just cutting them with saws off. A la New York city. Yeah. It was uh, actually it's Jersey, isn't it? Where? <laughs> Listen, Rob wants to talk crap about the 2022 MLR champs. It's, I'm just going to write, but, but he'll, Dino, I got a name for you. Next time you need to build goalposts, Hanko Hermesize, he's the guy who built the goalposts in New York that uh, we, we place on the field. So oh, Haku, need a good great, set. Great man. Great man. Yeah. <laughs> Love Haku. Haku's, Haku's a fisherman as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just some of that community work. I just found, you know, to be quite a, 
to be quite good. And like with Fitzy, my same mindset has always been since I've become professional, played professional rugby, is growing the sport as much as I can because I was, you know, I never knew what the sport was until I was 21 years old. And so I've always believed like the outreach is a massive part. So even when I'd go back to California, when I was living in England or Ireland, I'd go back and help out with St. Mary's. I'd go back and help out the La Marinda rugby team, the youth team there, and just try to be involved as much as I possibly can. And like, again, I still do that. And I'm continuing to grow that outreach now where I live again, 40 minutes North of New Orleans. I live in a city called Mandeville and we're trying to grow the sport up here as much as we can and having youth camps. And there's a couple, there's a couple of, clubs up here now i believe and they're starting to grow and again it's the youth i mean that's where they always talk about where it's going to be fundamentally starting and how the great game's supposed to grow and you know and again i just think that that community outreach stuff it just goes a long way because the things that rugby can offer outside of you know the, the culture and the atmosphere i mean just you think about it as a as a young man or woman you you really find out a lot about yourself playing 80 minutes no whistles blown no timeouts no nothing no you know no no water breaks you just got to go you got to play offense you got to play defense I mean there's a lot of mental toughness to it but then the community side of it the family it's very or very family oriented even at the professional level the, the national level there's you mix with the team after every game you have socials you're 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 all inclusive I mean you can go anywhere in the world and go play for a rugby club and that club's going to put you in a house feed you give you stuff to drink and take care of you like you're one of their own and there's not a sport like that on in the planet besides rugby. And I've just found that to be really unique. And I think it, it offers so much to our youth and, and so much to, to America where it's just such a different sport. And again, I just find myself really being attached to that and want to see the game grow. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I and just recently, a buddy of ours who we do, who does also does some podcasting came into Chicago. We had never met before other than on this, on this platform. And I'm like, TJ, I'll pick you up. We'll go out. He's like, no, you don't have to do that, bro. I said, no, I'm picking you up from the airport, man. And we're going to go out. We're going to enjoy a, a couple of beers together and just catch up. And that's, that's the way it is. That's what we love about mm-hmm. the sport. It's one yeah. of the things that we, that as a coach, I always tried to sell our high school players on is that it, it's, a, it's such a unique way to bond. And um, I just love it, especially because as kids get older, like my own son, as he's played more and more, he runs into guys that he played against and they play with each other or vice versa. And there's always something to connect with. It's a, it's awesome. I want to hit upon that community engagement piece, Dino. Um, and and I hope this doesn't come out negative, but uh, around the league from a naked eye watching, you know, TRM, it looked like attendance levels were down from pre-COVID levels. Um, so I, I think what what's in a lot of a lot of people want to know is run pass or kick. What did teams like Nola, but you know, teams all around the league need to do in order to better engage their communities um, and garner more support so they can fill those stands and, and, and attract more people to the game that have never played. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, your first thing is right. I mean, it comes down to the dollar and it's, it's tough. So a lot of the weight falls on the shoulders of us players, I think. And it's understanding like you're, you're playing the sport. Yeah. You're professionally getting paid, but especially for Americans, in order for us to see this continue to grow, we have to be the ones to be more out, to do more community outreach. And that's, and that's, and it's, t- it's a tough ask, right? I mean, imagine going to training and then being asked to go do a social event uh, for another two hours afterwards, right? Because I mean, they want to meet us, you know, they don't want to listen. They don't, you know, they don't know who, let's say 
Jimmy Joe is from from the uh, marketing side of it, right? They want to talk to to Dino Walsh and they want to talk to you know Cam Dolan or Carl Meyer or JP Duplass. You know, those are going to get the engagements, I think, to the people to come in. And I think they've done a really fantastic job of trying to get the 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 television people seeing it, right? And but you know, it's 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 a tough it's a tough ask because again the dollar isn't what it is of that of the NFL or the MLB or the NBA. So you know, reaching out I think linking with colleges as well as, as would be a pretty good idea. You know, I mean, imagine if you had a college game open up before every MLR match, right? A college team plays, and then that way all those college kids are there, they get to watch, and then you know just you try to get that that reach first. You know, start small, and then hopefully expand, expand, expand. Because I think one thing that's really untapped is the college rugby. And I know a lot of people think, well, the development of those kids are maybe that not of, of MLR quality, but, you know, I mean, we have to start somewhere. And I think that with we continue to grow the college, I mean, look what they've done with sevens. I mean, sevens took off overnight. I mean, it literally just erupted. Yeah. You know, as soon as we became an Olympic sport, I mean, it just it flew. And, you know, it's, um, it's really, I think the 2030, I think the 2031 World Cup, Am I correct in saying that yep. is in the USA? I think that getting that momentum going, building towards that is definitely going to help the, the, the sport grow. Uh, but in the meantime, I mean, it's just groundwork. It's boots on the ground. It's, you know, it's understanding like, yeah, you just got done training, but you know, we need you to go do this. You know, we need you to go out there and, and hold those, those camps. And, you know, I think maybe putting in some of those, putting some of that money into that development side of it, the MLR, like I think the NF, the NFL has the, uh, Play 60. Right. Is that it? Play 60? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something similar to that, you know, where some of that money is set aside for that youth development and, and growing right. the sport for the youth. I think that would be a huge, a huge factor because rugby, you know, is played on a Saturday. You know, it's a it's an afternoon right. sport. Well, you know, what do you what what are dads doing on Saturdays with their sons and daughters? You got soccer, you got baseball, you got softball, you got basketball, you got could be hockey, right? If you live in the Northeast, I mean, it's it's busy. So you're competing with with some of these sports that have been ingrained in us since, you know, the early 1900s. I mean, it's, 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 it's a tough ask, but I think, you know, the more we do it and the more consistent we are doing it and the better we get at it, you know, it's only going to benefit us more as the MLR and for teams around the league as well. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you don't get the, you know, if, if you, it, it's tough to develop a kid in college, so he becomes an Eagle, but having said that, it's also the kid that goes, if he has a good experience, Hey, She's just getting ready for bed. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's no worries. Um, but even if, you know, they have that good experience with rugby, they're going to be the guys that fill the stands, right? That, that help sell the sport to others. And they have kids and those, and they help their kids get into the game. I mean, you know, I didn't start playing until I was 24 myself till after college. Uh, but my son started playing at fifth grade and, you know, now he's at Linenwood. So, um, you know. <laughs> Thanks, David. Good night. Daddy's go. she, she's like, that dude needs to be quiet. He doesn't know jack shit about it. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, but see, Rob, I mean, that's like you and me are perfect examples of that, right? I mean, I was, again, I started when I was 21. I was a college football player. And right. I got fortunate enough to get a phone call from a guy named Jordan Bowie, who, you know, I think Scott mentioned earlier, I played at Dale South High School. I played football there. And, you know, he was like, hey, you know, uh, how do you feel about uh, coming to play rugby? And I was like, what's rugby? Like I just got done playing. I'm playing college football. I was like, what, you know, what's St. Mary's college? I didn't even know what it was. And I lived in the area. Right. And he was, I was like, he's like, dude, just come try it. Check it out. Goes at the very least, get your education, get your degree. I was like, all right. I went out there, fell in love. 
I was like, this is the sport I should have been playing all along. And, you know, I just hope that, uh, and that and I just hope that that can, you know, some kids can translate that. Right. And I, and I talk, and when I say translate, you know, a guy like myself, I was a college football player, you know, came over to rugby. Now, you know, I, I, people always say like, you know, well, they know their rugby better in England. They know it better in Australia, New Zealand, you know, that's, that's great. And I credit to those countries for sure. But to get those kids to understand, to translate it to these American athletes, you know, I think it does take someone who's experienced that same type of thing. Right. And, you know, that's where we have to do again, you talk about better outreach. That's some of that source where Fitzy does a great job. of. He can see that potential Mm -hmm. and, some of those guys that are playing a different sport and see the athleticism in that kid, you know, or see something that can translate him from, you know, playing running back and putting him in at center or putting him put, putting a middle linebacker at flanker, you know, or a DN that could be a hybrid lock. Right. You know, so he can see those type of things, you know, with the football transfer over, right. It's mostly the common sport for us, uh, for guys that play usually football to rugby. Yeah. Rugby is the big, these are the two commons. Um, and uh, I just think it's, again, it's on guys like myself and other guys who have that same experience to really to connect those kids and give them to understand, to give them to be able to understand, you know, how it transfers and, you know, the, the likes and the possibilities and what it can bring to your, to your life. And, you know, if you want to take, give it a shot. Absolutely. And 100%. I think one of the biggest uh, examples of that crossover athlete right now, um, I would say she was probably the player of the premier 15s over in England, Alev Kelter. You know, she got cut by Team USA Hockey after winning a couple championships at Wisconsin playing uh, women's hockey. And I believe somebody saw her around the Olympic uh, training area. And was, and I, I don't know exactly who said it, but they kind of were kind of like, you should probably try out, check rugby out. And Alev Kelter was born in her rugby career there. So, I mean, you know, it's it's I think you're right. I think just like crossover fans we're looking for, we need those crossover athletes. We need to find those guys that can exceed and excel in rugby. And we already know that we have the athletic parts down here. I mean, look at any college football team in the, the land, uh, any any Division One team, and the amount of money they put into their college football, just the athletic side of it, the nutrition side of it. You know, this is all stuff that we excel at here. Uh, we just have to translate it into the game. And like you said, through money. Um, I think that's the, that's. I think you're correcting that assumption. Um, you know, it's been great talking to you, Dino. These, uh, this, this is actually one of the segments that have run longer. Uh, in in recent yeah. weeks, I mean, you just have great answers, and you expand and you expand upon them, and it's it's man, it's it's stuff that me and Rob say all the time. So it's, I'm glad to hear somebody else say it yeah. that has you know the pedigree of rugby that you do that represents the Eagles that plays professional rugby. Because sometimes I think me and Rob are like meh, like are we bullshitting ourselves because we're not? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's good to know that other people are thinking the same things we're yeah. thinking. Um, so and to know that we're 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 right on target. Um. Before we before we go from the show, real quick, we just want to hand you over the mic. If you have anything, um, any special person you want to give a shout out to, you want to say hello to, you want to, an organization that's near dear to your heart, you know, this is your time. Oh, I mean, well, I mean, you, I mean, first, y'all always give a shout out to your club, right? Nola Gold. I mean, they've always done well for me, right? I mean, you guys mentioned uh, Mr. Falcon to me before the show started. I mean, Tim's been, you know, treated. He's been very very gracious to me and Fitzy uh has been awesome to me and uh you know I give uh, a lot of I give my hat off to Kane Thompson from uh from the years he's definitely pushed me as a player every you know his expectations for me as a person as a player has been really high and it's definitely helped me grow as a person so um definitely hats off to them and you know St. Mary's St. Mary's rugby with like Tim O'Brien uh been huge in my development as a rugby player and even 
the young American coach. And again, this is uh, one thing, I mean, we can, you can definitely dive into is American coaches in the MLR. And one of the only ones besides that was of Sean Pittman, right. And uh, mm-hmm. also USA Eagle, who's uh, coaching the attack, right. Was um, yep. Sean, right. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Sean, uh, great nine played nine for us was a great ball player. He's coaching over there. And then Brennan O'Mara. I mean, Brennan O'Mara is a St. Mary's guy came over, did his stuff at Austin. And, um, you know, I think it's it's a huge thing for having American coaches like in the league. I think, again, that's part of the development because you need that quality of coaches, and that's the next step for us, right, is these guys who played in the Eagles and these guys put their hand up to be the next, you know, cycle of coaches to coach the youth and give that, you know, that higher level of uh, knowledge to the game, you know. And that's, uh, you know, like I talked about, like where it's, where it's our job, you got to put your hand up and, you know, you got like Will McGee, uh, going to be a great coach one day. You know, I think he's going to be a, he's a great rugby mind. And, you know, he's, uh, we've always talked, I've always talked about it with him. And, you know, you've got Dylan Fawcett, who's always doing a lot of community outreach. He was on there for, for New York, you know, um, it's just, you know, guys like that, you know, they're going to put their hand up and, you know, jump in the league as these American guys and, you know, put their foot forward and hopefully grow in this game. And um, yeah, I mean, those huge shout to those guys for doing what they're doing. And then, uh, my wife always <laughs> without her, I don't think I'm able to play rugby, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh and if she does her job, quite frankly, your name will be forever etched in EA sports uh, lore. Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy who married the lady who got the rugby game on EA sports. That's what, oh, that's what man. <laughs> wouldn't that, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> uh, but Dino, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And fans, if you want to see more Dino, if you want to see both sets of our rugby rant and who won the rugby rant, I'm not going to tell you who won though. Go to patreon.com forward slash rugby rant pod. Only $3 a month. That's us in one beer at the pig and whistle. You can get all this extra content we give you. Uh, it helps up. Keep, it helps us keep the lights on. It helps gives you guys access to more and more content that me, Rob and Ty create. Um, We appreciate you guys watching and everything like that. Thank you so much. This episode is done and dusted, and we'll see you guys at the next. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.